Welcome back, radio entrepreneurs, listeners, and fans. I'm producer Jillian King, and I'm excited to introduce you all to our third and final part of the Winter 2024 FBA Family Business Panel Discussion, Family Transitions When Families Start Too Late. In this last segment, we will be covering topics related to what is the role of family conflict in a transition? The change brought about by a transition may cause challenges for the business. How do you recognize and address these challenges? How can divorce complicate a transition? And so much more. If you have not yet seen parts one and two of this panel discussion, we recommend you head over to radioentrepreneurs.com or any of our many channels to catch the first two segments. All of these discussions are intended to be highly relevant to both family businesses and to entrepreneurs of all types. So be sure to follow Radio Entrepreneurs on LinkedIn, YouTube, Facebook, Spotify, or any of the many other platforms we stream on to see those first two segments. Next, I will introduce our panelists and the moderator for this discussion. For the full introductions, please refer back to part one. We are joined today by Stephen Wilchins, founding partner at Wilchins, Cosentino and Novins, and Chris Lynch, president and CEO of Lawrence Lynch Corp. Welcome all. Last but not least, radio entrepreneurs, host and CEO of Mage LLC, Jeffrey Davis. Welcome, Jeffrey. I will now hand the conversation over to you. Thank you very much. And welcome back to our third segment, Chris and Stephen. Uh, and for our listeners who have just tuned in for the first time on these three segments, I encourage you to go back to segment one and two, but especially segment two, where Chris describes the journey of his family business, which is now entering its fifth generation. So, uh, you know, it's quite a journey and I think it's worth listening to and hearing that as well. So it's something that most families aspire to, few achieve. Congratulations, Chris. Uh, back to the second segment, again, a little getting in the way back machine, Steve. I'm dating myself by saying that. Uh, there is something you wanted to add about phantom stock and uh, the the importance of it in trying to work a family business transition. So I'll let you start off with that. So as we mentioned, the phantom stock is a very good tool to use with key employees. But at the same time, the, the negative is sometimes the owner who is not sure of implementing the phantom stock agreement if it's done, uh, you have the ability to change the the contract, the phantom stock rights. And one experience I had with a successful business was the owner implemented the strategy and in the agreement insisted that he had the right to terminate at any time the stock award, okay, after a number of years. And I felt that that was a probably not the best strategy. Okay, so uh, we were fortunate and we convinced him after to ch make that change and live by your word. Okay, but there are times when people are not sure they can change. The, it's a contract, so they can change the contract. And if you put in the agreement that you can change it, you know, buyer beware. So I think the point is, that if you're going to use phantom stock, you have to treat your employees still fairly, just like if they were a shareholder. Well, and I would add the tagline uh, 
when giving up personal control is good for the business. And that's what you just said. And I think it's always important. People sometimes lose sight of that in a family business. Uh, I want to add another part of complexity to this. I don't know how much uh, Chris has been involved with this, but I've seen it. And I know you have too, Stephen. And that is, how do you uh, run the family business transfer of ownership stock to the next generation when a family business member is potentially or going through a divorce? Divorce really adds complexity to the whole shareholder and transfer issue. Uh, I have, I am familiar with a business uh, where they did not transfer ownership because they were fearful of a divorce. But Steve, can you get, can you address this one first? So the first thing is the laws have changed dramatically in divorce versus trust. Um, both are evolving and they you know, the courts have expanded the marital property definition over the last probably five to 10 years. And so the first thing is, it's important to be, even though you have drafted trust, the courts, the the family and probate court, they have really um, moved towards allowing divorcing spouses to have some rights. So it has to be. So the first thing is prenuptial agreements for your, for your children. That's very important. Okay. And then when you're dealing with uh, planning to make sure that it's very carefully looked at and worded, how the trustee, what the trustee's role is, what the authority is, uh, to make sure that the divorcing spouse does not have um, any rights. And then the operating agreement or shareholder agreement should provide that if there's a divorce, that they don't have any rights, both uh, equity rights or economic rights. So all that needs to be dealt with um, as you're planning through, as the client is planning through a potential divorce or a situation that may create some unsettling times personally and for the business. I think it's great that you touched upon that operating agreement statement because not everybody has a prenup. It's difficult to do a postnup. And I think the operating agreement, which is the guiding agreement of the day-to-day running of the business, really is uh, an easier solution for dealing with some of those things. Uh, Chris, I don't want to open up a can of worms. But I don't know if you have any experience with any of these things. <laughs> uh, luckily, uh, f- fortunately, Jeff, I celebrated my 33rd wedding anniversary just recently, so I don't. Um, but I will speak to it from a, a bit of a practical standpoint. Uh, Steve certainly covered covered the legal component. But we've talked in the previous uh, segments here about a transition plan and guardrails on that plan and milestones in that plan. And, and I think with the attention that a family business, closely held business requires, a divorce for any of those uh, key members who are entertaining, taking over leadership, uh, would be a cause to pause that transition. It, it certainly is incredibly disruptive uh, from, from what I've seen on the outside. Um, so I think that transition plan uh, may have uh, guardrails and and whatnot that protects from 
transitioning during a divorce. Where it becomes difficult is if the divorcing spouse, non-family member is actually running the business or involved with the business. That creates a lot of complications and you have to anticipate that, but that I've seen many times. Well, especially when the divorcing person goes on and moves on with their life and there's a lot of anger or jealousy, uh, attorneys on the other end, it just gets to be messy and a distraction uh, for the key focus of running a business day to day. Uh, I know I'm unfortunately, or unfortunately, I'm divorced and remarried, unlike you, Chris. And, uh, uh, you know, I got divorced during a time when the laws were not as progressive as they were today, as they are today. And it did create complications for me and for my family, uh, which I worked through, but they weren't necessary. And I would have preferred not to have had them happen. And it did affect the business. So I'll move on. I do think divorce is an important factor because sadly, 50, I always say to people, 50% of our uh, target group gets divorced in today's world. And sometimes I say, and 50% of those who don't get divorced are just miserable and don't get divorced. <laughs> so when you're dealing with when you're dealing with divorce and unhappiness, that all affects leadership. And it's very hard to run a business when you don't want to go home and when you're not happy going home. And so uh, stability is really the key here. And I want to underline that, that the key to running a business, even for the leader, is we need to create an environment of stability. So um, thank you for tolerating my answer. I, I, I absolutely agree with that, Jeff. Great point. Yeah, stability is key. And again, I always yeah. love when I'm looking at transitions, I always look at potential leaders in many ways. And one of the things I look at is someone who loves to go home. Yeah. Yep. You know, you, you yep. want to go perfect home. perfect sense. Yeah. And if they don't like to go home, it creates problems. Yep. It, 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 it may take longer, but it does create problems. Uh, if majority control is transferred to the next generation and it's clear that it is too early to pass on control to that next generation. And I think Steve and I have seen some of that. What are some of the strategies and safeguards to prevent this situation? And that's interesting because again, sometimes families hold on too long. That's our topic as we started. Now we're talking about maybe doing it not too fast, but giving people too much too fast. How do you, what are the safeguards? And again, I throw it at you first, Steve. You are the grand poobah of of answers in this area. I don't know about that, but I I think one thing would be to elevate their responsibility, but not giving them total control first, I think, or, or not putting them as a trustee of a, of a trust that owns the, the family business stock. I think you want to uh, see how things operate, see if uh, operationally and management style, the next generation is able to handle it and encourage um, encourage the people around them in building the business. It's also you get to see if there's siblings also in the business, how they handle their siblings and what kind of respect and rights they give their other siblings, even though they don't have the position. So it's an it that's one way of looking at it as a second look so it either giving it 
having the major shareholder retain those rights or having the major shareholder offload those rights to a board of trustees rather than one individual or the spouse. And, and Jeff, if this if this situation is recognized post-transfer, then no, no matter what, the success of the business is, is much larger than the success of the individual who may have prematurely been granted uh, leadership. So I think at that point, you still need to step in and create a team, uh, employee team or both employee team and an outside team to help manage the business. Because this again, the success of the business is going to create success even for this individual who may have been prematurely put in a position to lead. Right. There's no actual control, but once you give control to someone and it may be premature, I think the people around this person, you have to encourage this person to consider different alternatives and suggestions and, and probably form a board yes. okay, at that point to listen to different perspectives, because at some point that per it will resonate and it will sink through, and that person will listen to some people, and hopefully they're competent and able to move this business along. I'll add two points to that, and that is one, first, second, third, always, the business comes first. I always make sure the business comes first. The other one, which always worries me when I'm looking at families, is that power and authority can become intoxicating. And it can change people. So what goes in is not necessarily what came out of the process. And what I'm looking for are people who constantly strive to learn, but also can maintain a sense of humility. And if they can maintain that sense of humility, um, I think that that can overrule sometimes the intoxication of power and authority and money. So... I think that's that's always important. Now, here's another one. Uh, one of the things I always talk to companies about, I always say, do you know of the top 20 companies in the United States in 1901, only one company was on the list in 2001. Uh, and they're like, uh, do you know who it is? And I, they, no one ever answers. It was GE. And they were not in the same business in 2001 than they were in uh, 1901 because they change their business. So during transitions, you can put people in based upon what the business was today. And tomorrow the business could change. We have a technology revolution going on, computer revolution, AI revolution. Some people think a geopolitical war going on in the world. Uh, so what do you do guys when you put in the right person, but the conditions to running the business or what the business needs to be changes. How do you prepare for that? Well, Jeff, as, as, as you've stated earlier, it's, it is the complexity. And if you run a family business, you are most attentive to everything and particularly everything that adversely impacts the business. So I think to recognize how those changes are impacting, uh, be it, be it good or, or, be it that they're impacting the business in a negative way, you simply need to adopt, uh, adapt, adapt to that and resolve it. I mean, that's all about running a business and, and leadership 
is recognizing challenges, recognizing when things aren't going right and find solutions to overcome it. So I think just the attention to those to those uh, challenges and dealing with them is the way to handle that. Right. I, I think that's good, Chris, but as well as to add that there are areas that one really miss as you're focused in, I'm not saying you in particular, but a person is focused in on their business. They may not have the true understanding or capabilities to, to have the vision to see this or something else. And it's sometimes it's important either to get the top leaders, uh, leadership of the company and or a board to fill in spots that the person really would not see, okay, or really understand what that means to the company and to the industry. And that's a real trick. And that's a real leader to be able to see that and able to admit that I can't make that, I don't see it, I need to help some way. Well, this is a one I've seen many times and it's interesting for me. This is where I love transitions and I love next gen. Because if you have the right next gen, sometimes the parents, they've been running the business this way 30, 40, 50 years, and they're really good at it. But taking the business and making it this, sometimes it takes the next generation who sees the future and wants to make all those transitions. And for and the and the last generation, they don't they want to keep it on course. They've made money, they've have loyalty. They have success. They don't see it. So there is a little bit of friction here. And that's where I'm going to lead us to our next question. What do you do and how do you utilize creative conflict within a family business and within siblings? Can you do that? Does anybody think you can do that? It's probably you hired Jeff. <laughs> yeah. My partner would say I'm good at facilitating conflict, but he likes to put me on my spot. <laughs> Certainly, I do think overcoming conflict is is part of growth and, and very important component to growth. However, conflict within family, uh, I don't, it's, it's hard for me to recognize the value in that kind of a conflict. So, so for me, the more outside help you can get in transition, the more outside help the company uh, continues throughout its operations to avoid that kind of conflict, I would be in favor of. Yes. Uh, conflict started with Cain and Abel. I think it's a inherent part of human nature, human emotion and family business. I do think it needs to be managed creatively, not destructively. And that is what I do for a living to a big extent. And it's, uh, uh, my partner always says, you love to immerse yourself right into the problem. And, you know, that's my original mentor used to say to me, if you're not living the problem, you're not solving the problem. And yes, there are sibling rivalries. There are jealousies in birth orders, in gender orders, in different ethnic and socioeconomic backgrounds. And I think they all have to be looked at. Uh, so I think, you know, learning how to manage through that conflict is really important in terms of the transition. Uh, Jillian, I'm going to turn it over to you. It's our trusty producer, Jillian King, who keeps us on track and keeps this show going week to week. So we want to thank her. And I also want to thank our two guests, which you will do first. 
Thank you, everyone. What an important conversation for multi-generational family businesses. That wraps up the last segment of our winter 2024 FBA family business panel discussion, Family Transitions When Families Start Too Late. Thank you to all our listeners and viewers who have tuned in for this panel. Links will be provided in the video's description below to parts one and two, so be sure to check out those links and click subscribe just below the video if you're on YouTube or follow if you are listening on one of our podcast platforms to stay up to date on all of our postings as they go live. If you are a fan of our videos, please be sure to like, comment, share, subscribe, and press the bell button. It helps immensely. Radio Entrepreneurs is also active on LinkedIn, so be sure to follow our page there as well for more business advice and discussions. Until next time, goodbye and thanks for listening. We'll be back with more stories on Radio Entrepreneurs.